This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Lost episode number six. I am Mike, and for some reason, Bill missed his plane again this week. Somebody's got to get that guy a better alarm clock or a better wake-up system. So I obviously don't want to do this myself because this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Of course, I say like every week, uh, but this is an awesome episode. So much stuff to talk about. But before we do that. I have a special guest host. I mean, y'all, listen, I went to the pinnacle of podcasting, to the powers that be, to the celebrity status himself, Mr. J. How are you? Good, man. Glad to be here. You know, actually, for a lost podcast, missing your plane is probably not that bad a thing. You're, it's probably not. So he's probably thinking, man, I screwed out of that one. Or he could have been in the tail section. He could have been, right. Or he could have been a pilot. That would, that would have been probably <laughs> worse. So Yeah. Could have been rough for a rough landing. Uh, but th- yeah, th- thanks for joining us um, on this episode. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And um, we're going to be talking about the moth. I mean, this is a great episode. It really is. It really is. And before we get into the episode, though, I have to ask, I, I asked Joe last time he was with us as well, so what What was it, the biggest thing that you remember about getting you into Lost? What What was it about the show when you first experienced the show of Lost? Um, I remember hearing about this big thing that they were doing, you know, and they like brought this plane section to Hawaii and they were filming with it and there's, there was just a lot of talk about it and J.J. Abrams, like, who's this guy? You know, he's, he's responsible for it. And, um, I heard it had like, it was kind of sci-fi maybe. Um, and I, I remember like holding off watching it for like six weeks or something. I, this may have been like the first episode I actually saw. And then I went back and like caught up or maybe I like binged it through like abc.com or something like that to, to get this. And Man, I was luckily I was hooked at the beginning, um, and I was watching this, you know, every week. And I mean, the biggest thing I remember is just by the time it was winding up in in season five and six, like I was on forums, I was sharing thoughts, wow. I was speculating on stuff with my coworkers. You know, we were discussing literature and philosophy, and what does this character's name mean, and where are the losties, and all the. I mean. It was the, it, the 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 thing that I really remember is that which I don't think you can get just by sitting down and watching on DVD is all of the discussions in the week between episodes and over the hiatus. That was just awesome. Absolutely, that's that's one of the things that that, that kept me into it. Um, and it's just it's it was it was amazing. And I mentioned on the first episode that I uh, I the last season was airing while I was overseas for four months, and I was like trying to find internet wherever I could on my laptop just to watch that that last season. Oh my gosh, and, yeah. It, it was it was it was great though. Um, so, do you have an absolute favorite episode of Lost? Uh, do I have a favorite episode? Wow. Um, I, mean, I know it's. I mean, I know it's hard to kind of like not spoil anything. Um, like not, mine is season three, episode eleven, with the Dharma van. That's my favorite episode. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, I I can't like just think of one. I, I should have prepared for this uh, with that question, I know. Uh, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. But I would say probably season two th- or three. It's probably one of their, I mean, they're just, there are a lot of scenes that I, I really love. I mean, there's, there's one where they're playing golf. I think that's in the first season here still. Yeah. Um, 
and, and they're just there are lots of those kind of memorable moments uh, that I have from the show. But as far as a holistic show, yeah, I don't know, man. Because they're all so good is the problem. There, I can definitely tell you ones that I'm not a huge fan of, and <laughs> and those are the ones that I think a lot of people. Um, agree like that that's kind of the consensus of a lot of people like the the there was one uh the Apollo uh episode yeah. where they like the- followed these two new characters that we really hadn't gotten anything from and actually your episode last week um house of the rising sun not a I, the the season one um sun and Jin storyline was not my favorite out of all the characters i didn't really want to know a lot more about them like kate was interesting charlie here really interesting Locke, i wanted to what the heck is up with Locke? you know that was obviously the, yeah. the big mysteries and stuff like that so well good 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 god we got a little bit of background so we're gonna go ahead then if there's nothing else and we're gonna jump right into this episode so this is The Moth, Episode 7. It was air, it aired on November the 3rd, 2004. It was directed by Jack Bender. It was written by Jeffrey Lieber, Damon Lindelof, J.J. Abrams, Jennifer Johnson, and Paul Dini. I guess Summary I didn't realize is, Paul Dini was helping out with this one. That's great. Oh, yeah. This, and we, we always um, we, we wondered last week, because Abrams didn't typically write a lot of it, but Abrams directed a lot of them later on, but mm-hmm. he wasn't his name wasn't really big into the writing part. So there's a few episodes he was a part of when we're in writing. Very cool. Uh, uh, so this summer summary is Charlie begins a journey of withdrawal from drugs aided by Locke, whose true motive is still a mystery. Jack is then buried alive in a cave collapse. Dum dum dum. <laughs> A couple of episode facts about this one. When Charlie snorts heroin, Dominic Monaghan is actually snorting brown sugar. I, I got to imagine anytime, you know, when you hear them about uh, when they do cocaine, they're actually just doing like crushed up vitamin C. Basically, yeah. I think snorting anything, whether it's a drug or a food, is just like, that's got to just be nasty. But I mean, that's what they're getting paid for, I guess. So I mean... Brown sugar is definitely better than the heroin, I guess. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say yes. Yes. I'm going to say yes. Oh, Neil Hopkins, who plays Charlie's older brother, is actually younger than Dominic Monaghan in real life, and he is also American. I did not know that. That's a pretty good accent. Uh, for the first time, most of the survivors get a wardrobe change in this episode. Finally, they were starting to stink a little. <laughs> yeah. That was. Uh, that's always good to get him uh, cleaned up a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, there are three, and the patterns of three are a major theme in this episode. So, for example, in confessional, Charlie recalls three sinful experiences, though occurring at the same time. Okay. Locke gives Charlie three opportunities to ask for his heroin back. Saeed's plan to isolate the distress signal involves using three antennas and three individuals located on three different points in the island. And Charlie sees the moth three times, though once was in a cocoon. Hmm. They do like, I mean, three is always a, a good uh, pattern that uh, is used in, in writing and, uh, you know, for, for comedy or for, um, you know, building a, a story and stuff like that. You got your three acts. Um, usually you, you do uh, for jokes and stuff, you know, you set up two elements and then your third element is the the punchline for it and stuff like that so it's not really surprising that they would stick to that but um i didn't realize how many were in this one as well hmm that's interesting i actually did i actually didn't know that that's that's cool for me uh so emily dave ravine or claire did not appear and is not credited in this episode as well she was not in the last episode either hmm uh, this episode, now this is cool, this episode marks the first appearance of this character, Steve Jenkins, who is played by Christian Bowman. However, in later episodes, he'd also be played by Dustin Watchman. This is the continual running joke of Scott and Steve that you would see throughout the series. I love Scott and Steve. <laughs> it's so funny. Hey, uh, what's, your, what's your name? Steve, right? No, Scott, no. He's Steve. <laughs> it's, just, it's cool. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, so this red episode is rated TV-14. TV-14. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the episode. We're going to kind of discuss it. So, Jay, just jump right on in whenever you feel like um, you have a thought or something as we go through it. Sure. So we open with Charlie detoxing and trying to play the guitar while Locke comes over and tries to get Charlie to come over and help him with something. Uh, we, We know last time Locke took the drugs from Charlie and we kind of see him in the middle of the detox. And we learn later on in the episode that he's only been detoxing for a day and a half. So he must have had a lot of heroin going through his body to be where he's at in a day and a half. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, he, I, I think it's funny, too, that, you know, Locke, it, it, you know, Locke is always that friendly kind of guy. Um, it, most of the characters like him, but when he gets an idea in his head, we don't necessarily know what's happening uh, as the audience. Uh, we're not privy to that, but he he really takes it to extremes uh, most of the time, I guess. And, um, you know, just the fact that, uh, you know, shortly after this, we see um, Locke, you know, take, it takes Charlie in the jungle and then just disappears. And this, you know, what the setup is for that, I thought was... Uh, uh, you know, like basically that's typical lock, uh, which, is. which is what we'll come to know about him as, as the show goes on. His, his character arc is very interesting throughout the entire series, uh, and, and what happens to him. We, of course, we don't want to give anything away about toward the end of the series and whatnot, but his character is, is very, very unique. But I, I really, I truly genuinely believe that since we know that Locke was, was in a wheelchair, when he got on the island and then now he's not that he's been given a second look on life and he i generally believe he wants to be a good guy but i also believe there's a hint of he's hiding something that 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 he like he, there's a reason why he hasn't told everybody that that was his wheelchair right right well and um you know so like for this one that you know he feels like he needs to save charlie like he's been given this other chance and you know by uh, hook or by crook he's going to basically do the same for somebody else but he doesn't tell charlie that's what he's doing right he's not like he, he's not uh, and again this is kind of I, I feel this is the way Locke is is that he doesn't come up to you and it's just like hey you know i see you're struggling i really want to help you through all this he just is like this is what's going to happen and, you know, I'm going to take your drugs and you can get them back for me, but you just have to ask. And, you know, it's like, you know, he's got all this. It's it's, it's sort of that mystic uh, quality about him. Right. You know, it's like he I it's some to some extent, I feel like, OK, maybe he's been touched by a higher power. Um, and now he feels like he needs to. um you know, share that or, or, or pass this on or, you know, do things to make up for whatever it is in his past that he, maybe he feels guilty for. Yeah. I mean, it, it I, I, I agree. And, and there's some things that, that we can discuss here at toward the end of the episode, we're going to, we're going to have like a, we're going to have something new on the show. We're going to have a kind of a spoiler zone for those who have seen the show already. And we can discuss some of those things that came out. Um, and you know, so we'll we'll give you a fair warning when that spoiler zone's coming. So those who haven't seen it, don't get spoiled. Um, <laughs> but back at the beach, Jack is looking at the wanted picture of Kate when she walks up behind him, and she just kind of starts to say, "You know, I got, I got a better picture. I'm getting wallet size if you really want it." And um, this, this little banter back and forth between the two. So then they discuss moving to the caves again, and if rescue is coming, and, and Sawyer walks up. I I, I love. I love the smug look on Sawyer's face, and and his his answer is just saying, you know what? I figure since the doc is moving, I might as well claim dibs on this tier current residence before uh anybody else does. And he just drops his suitcases. Right? Josh <laughs> right Holloway, like this guy, you know, kind of came out of nowhere uh, to play Sawyer, and I feel like he, I I don't know that any other actor could have done what he did with this character i mean there's he really made it his own um you know there are other actors obviously on the show that that we'd seen um before and josh holloway was not one of those and so i had no i had no preconceived notions about him and you know now when i see him you know pop up in 
whatever it is, Mission Impossible 4 or whatever, whichever J.J. Abrams film it was that Mission Impossible that he was in. It's like, it's very hard for me not to see him as Sawyer. Yep. And it's the same thing with Kate for me with Evangeline Lilly. It's hard for me to look back on her here as Kate instead of as the Wasp. You know, in in in, in Ant Man, and uh, yeah, and, and there are there are certain people I think throughout the history of television that when they were given a role, they there there couldn't have been anybody better for that role. Right. Um. One of them, like you said, is Josh Holloway for Sawyer. I think Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man, Tony Stark. I mean, they're they, I just don't think they could have put a character and a person better together. Um. We we talked. On another podcast I'm on recently, when we watched the Fantastic Four from 2005, we know Chris Evans comes out to be Captain America later on, but there's nobody I don't think could have played that role of uh, of the Human Torch better at that moment than Chris Evans, and there's the smirkness he had. Hmm. So there, there are there are certain people that, and Josh Holloway is one of them. Like you say, just kind kind of came out of nowhere and just took this role and just made it his own and. Um, I've seen him in other things since then, like the like Colony, and a couple in Intelligence. He was in that for a while, but I don't think it even compared to 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 this role that he played as Sawyer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so claims dibs, and then we go back, and Charlie is walking through the jungle. Um, obviously, Locke wanted his help, and now he can't find Locke, and something begins to chase him. So we get as he's running, we get this flashback that Charlie is in a confession booth and he's confessing his relationship problems, is what I put to a priest. <laughs> and simply put, he said, "Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I have relations with a girl last night I didn't know, and then after that, I had relations with another girl, and then I watched them have relations with one another. And I, I was just, I was waiting for, I was waiting for the priest to kind of like." Oh my goodness, really? And it, it was just, it was one of those. So he it said, help me. Yeah, it was like he kept going on, right? He was just like, oh, this was bad. Oh, this was bad too. Okay, this continues to get worse. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Father. You have to hear what I'm about to say. And uh, <laughs> so he says, help, help me, Father. How do I, how do I, how do I, you know, I don't want to do this. And and the priest pretty much gives him the the rec- the, the the thought that every but temptation's all around. It's always there. You have to decide whether or not you're going to choose that temptation. So he says, "I'm just going to quit the band because that's just that that's what I need to do to get that con- that 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 out of my out of my life." Mm-hmm. And uh, so he gets out of temptation, out of the out of the temptation booth, out of the confession booth, and when he gets in there. Um, he sees somebody sitting in the church pew with his feet up on the pew and that kind of thing. And he's just got this, the meek shall inherit the earth. And, and Charlie comes and knocks his foot down and says, Liam, what are you doing here? And he said, relax, relax, baby brother. I've got, I bring to you good tidings of great joy. And, uh, they want to be signed to a record, to a record label. Hmm. It's the way it always starts. That's right. That's right. So he flashed back to the present, and we find out that Charlie's being chased by a wild boar, but was really used as bait by Locke just to trap another boar. Hey, well, you know, at least it's a boar, right? It's something that we can identify. Not um, a polar bear. Not a polar bear, not, you know, something else. Something else that they think the audience has forgotten about the big thing that keeps, you know, knocking down the trees in the jungle. Yeah, which I like the way Lost, by the way, did not put that in every episode. They kind of let you know that that threat is still there, but they don't tell you what it is. So Charlie then asks for his drug back from Locke, and you get the scene of the Lost intro. So boom, we go boom. back to Charlie again, boom boom, and he desperately wants his drug back, but Locke has faith in him. So Locke gives him a challenge. He says, "Charlie, I tell you what, I'll let you ask for your drugs three times." And if you ask me a third time, I'll give them back to you. And just so you know, this is number one. And Charlie's Charlie just gets upset. He says, "Why, why don't you just give? What? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this?" And Locke Primer tells him, "I want you to choose to give it the drugs, not be made to give the drugs up." And Locke flips his knife up, and um, as the camera pans away, and he takes care of the boar, quote unquote, problem yeah. off screen. <laughs> <laughs> Too much to uh, Charlie's. Uh... Horror. 
Yeah, yes. that was. You could tell that it was it was gross. I'm glad they did cut away. I don't need to see that. Uh, if you want to see something like that, just watch Apocalypse Now, and you can see the um, water buffalo where they take it out right on camera. So yeah, we don't have to do it now. <laughs> so uh, back at the beach, Saeed has built three antenna and are trying to triangulate the position of the signal. So he says, the plan is, Kate, you go into the jungle, about two kilometers. He said, he'll go to the top of the mountain, and he gave Boone the one to stay right there on the beach. And, <laughs> <laughs> good job, Boone. And uh, it's and uh, when they're in position, he said, Saeed will fire his bottle rocket at 5 o'clock, and then Kate you will follow will fire theirs, and then Boone will follow fire his, and then once all three have been fired, they're going to switch them on because there's not enough power to keep them on for maybe a minute, uh, maybe less, maybe more. Yeah. And then, but the only problem is, is they need power for the transceiver, so they don't have anything. But Kate says, "I know somebody that probably will." I know the man that has everything. That's right. So he walks. So she walks back to Sawyer's now new uh, uh, cribs, and he says, and she says, "I need, I need a laptop power pack to power the transceiver." And I love how Sawyer just begins this back and forth with Kate. This just this constant banter between the two, and he knows that he has it, and she knows he has it. But he's just he's he's testing her. Yeah, I I always expect him because he uses this nickname for her so much. I expect him to call her Freckles all the time. But I, I unless I missed it, I don't think he called her that at all. Not 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 yet. It's coming, but not not yet. I, I he hasn't it hasn't happened yet. Um, only thing he's ever called her so far, I think, has been the bell of the ball. Okay. <laughs> a couple a couple episodes ago, <laughs> he says, well, isn't it the bell of the ball? Um, but he has this back and forth, so eventually he gives her the, the power pack um, to the lap, from, from the laptop. And it's amazing to see the battery from the laptop, what it was back then in 2004, this long, slender cylinder um, in the back of a battery, on the back of a laptop. Uh, so back of the caves, Jack and Hurley are walking into the caves carrying bags. Charlie offers to help. Bud breaks one open, and it just happens to be the bag of drugs. Oh, my gosh. Look at that temptation. I know. I know. So as he's picking up the drugs, he's kind of sifting through them. And Jack arrives and sees him eyeing some of the prescriptions. And he says, um, <laughs> "He says, man, I got a headache. And Jack just says, huh, so this is for anxiety, but that's a little strong for just a headache. Yeah, I got a headache. I got a headache. But you can tell that Jack is getting concerned because Charlie's not looking so well. Uh, Char- now, Charlie like, thinks he's super cool, right? He's like, right. I got this. So if we were to see, like, in Charlie's head, you know, he's like, he got his hair slicked back, and he's wearing a sunglass, and he's like, no, man, it's cool. I just got a headache. And of course, everybody else sees this jittery, wiry, sallow-looking guy that is like sweating guy withdrawal. all over. Yeah. Right. And I think this is the moment where Jack... I think can sense that something's off with Charlie. As far, I, I think as a doctor, he knows he thinks he's detoxing now. Now we know we get to that later on in the episode, but I think this is like Jack his first see here that he's this, this guy is a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, and with the, just going back to like the bag breaking at that point, it's, it's almost like the Island is testing these people, you know, for know. like something. No, why would an island do that? Hmm. I don't know. So Jack looks at Charlie and says, "Hey, man, go get some water. You look dehydrated. Go, go, to go take care of yourself." So Charlie goes back and he sits down with his guitar back by the by the by the water. We get a flashback. So Liam is still trying to get Charlie on the outside of the uh, the chapel to join the record contract. He and Charlie says, "I just want to write music." And he essence he says, "I just I don't want to be part of the party scene. I just want to write music." So Charlie makes a deal with Liam that if Charlie says we're done, then they walk away, and Liam promises and agrees to it. Mm-hmm. And that's a very crucial part in the episode because you see this thing that 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 and it, I love the way this episode flips everything at the end 
when I was when I was first watching this, you didn't expect it, and then it kind of flips it on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll look at that when we get to the end episode. We go back to the present, and we see that Jen is getting water to put on the handcuff marks. As remember, all Michael did was cut the chain, so Jen has still got this <laughs> handcuff on his wrist, and obviously a metal handcuff on a wrist will will rub and make a nasty little mark. So he's uh, he's trying to put water on it to kind of soothe the pain. And, yeah, kudos and, to Daniel Day Kim for like I, I, what I think he has these for a, a large portion of season one here. Yeah, just having to wear these every day at work. <laughs> yeah, it, it just it must. It, there's no doubt he probably had to put multiple ointments on that throughout <laughs> the filming. Yeah, uh, with the sand and the water and everything else like that getting in it because these were metal handcuffs. They they weren't plastic or or rubbery or anything. They yeah, they didn't. Yeah, ones. they didn't look like it. So, uh, so Sun suggests that maybe you should let the doctor look at it, and he declines. And then he gets on to her about her outfit and says that you look indecent. And she says it's too hot, and that's kind of where we just see them staring at each other. So we already start to see this this. Um, this relationship starting to break down on the island that we saw last week in the episode uh, House of the Rising Sun, but now we're starting to see this kind of this bigger wedge come between them. Um, so Hurley brings Charlie his guitar case and he starts talking about his songwriting. You know, I wrote songs. I was, and you can tell he's something's going on. Then I'm writing songs. I wrote songs for the band, and and he says, "What can I help with? What can I help with?" and he said Jack just wanted to get it out of the way. <laughs> and this tips Charlie off. So he goes and he finds Jack inside a cave. And he just starts yelling at Jack. You know, I'm not useless. I'm needful. I'm here. And he just starts yelling at Jack. And Jack's trying to get him to calm down. And he didn't calm down to the point where he calls the cave in, leaving Jack <laughs> trapped inside. That was some serious yelling there. That was, yeah, it's pretty heavy yelling. Uh, so uh, Harley goes, tells Charlie, Charlie, run to the beach and get help. And don't forget to tell Kate. <laughs> you, you, you have to tell Kate. <laughs> so back on, uh, back as they're walking through the jungle, um, Sidney and Kate are talking about the blind, uh, talking about the blind, dumb luck they've all experienced crashing on the island. Although Said thinks something is going on, Kate believes it just happens. And this is, this is a theme throughout the whole show. You're going to have people who just believe in coincidence and people who believe in faith. There's something going on. Yeah, I like the I like the setup of the fate versus free will, um, which comes in here. And this is, um, there are, like you said, many different characters that experience this. Um, I think uh, Jack and uh, Locke are going to be the ones that uh, exemplify the two sides of the argument, but it it's um, it's reminiscent of things that I remember George Lucas saying about the Star Wars films that he did, that he would create these moments where the music would, uh, it would play the same theme over again, or he would pick moments to have characters say things that other characters had said in a previous film or earlier in the, this film, and these, these little echoes that happen, and, and that's kind of what happens in here there there are lots well there's there's a small handful of main themes i think uh, as you said throughout the series uh fate and free will being um probably the 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 number one if uh, maybe number two um but uh it it gets revisited and echoed and different characters get a chance to kind of hash it out to you know sort of give the uh, show the showrunners like philosophies um, and you know, present different aspects of what the writers and everybody are thinking about, just to explore different things on the show. Which, which is what I thought was great because you could you can watch the show as just a kind of as an adventure mystery sci fi show. But if you want to take it deeper, there's all of these philosophical roots and uh, historical. Uh, historical contexts and references and stuff like that, uh, literary themes and stuff that you can really delve into. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's some, we'll get into these eventually, but there's some books and stuff and some other things that I listened to or watched and read that apart from this show, I never would have done. 
like I, I mentioned one a while back when um, you know eventually somebody's going to mention about Lord of the Flies book. I never read the book until I saw the show. Mm. And I was like, hmm, I want to read that book. And when I read it, I'm like, okay. And I went back when I saw the reference, and I'm like, I get it now. It makes uh, some a lot of stuff makes sense. Um, but yeah, th- there's there's a lot about fate and a lot about free will in here. And Saeed just believes that, in all essence, we should be dead. There should be no way we survived this crash. Right. But yet we did. So he believes something's going on. And it's cool that they bring that up because, I mean, here we are at the sixth episode, you know, the, the first two parts, it, 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 it didn't look like a plane wreck, right? There was a lot of carnage and, and people did die. Um, we saw people die in the, the pilot episodes, but the fact that all of these characters are as many characters as we see on the island uh, from, from uh, Oceanic Flight uh, 815 it it is it, it kind of stretches the bounds of cre- uh, credibility so the fact that there are characters actually addressing it and and like bringing it up because um i don't know if fans were really on to it at that point it's like okay there was just a plane crash and these people survived and it's going to be like a robinson crusoe story and of course more strange stuff begins happening than you would expect for the the show that would kind of seem to be pitched. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so we see Charlie made it back to the beach and he got some help to go back. We see that Michael and all of them and Boone start running back to the beach, including Scott and Steve. We see the first mention of Scott and Steve here <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Steve. No, I'm Scott. No, I'm Steve. <laughs> and uh, so we see that, and then Boone starts running away, and he realizes, oh, crap, I still got the, the rocket in my back pocket. So he turns around, and he gives it to Shannon. Shannon, of all people, he entrusts this with. This and is where I'm like, this is such a bad move. It really based is. Based on what we've seen of her so far. Right. So she, so he, he tells her the whole thing that she's supposed to do, and she's just like, huh? He's like, Shannon, have you even been listening this whole time? And uh, and she's yeah 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 go go. So he he gives her the stuff to trust her to turn on the um, turn antenna antenna. So then Sawyer agrees to tell uh, as he's as Charlie's running back. He remembers oh crap oh crap. And Sawyer's right there wringing his shirt out. And uh, Charlie says I need to tell Kate. Sawyer says I got it. I'll tell her. Don't worry about it. I'll tell her. <laughs> I was like oh man, this is really what you need. Um, and I genuinely believe he, he wanted to, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but then we get a flashback, and Drive Shaft is in concert. Hey, now you know where we got our uh, intro music for this podcast. I love this. When you announced you were doing this podcast, you know, that was the first, uh, like, quote I just tweeted at you. Yes. I, I yes. love Drive Shaft, man. I, this, this one song just gets stuck in my head. For the fact that Dominic Monaghan made up the the line you all everybody while they were you know walking what was it like two three episodes ago right and then they're like okay we can use this and then they wrote you know the riff and the music and recorded like uh this this part of the song sounds like a real song it it really does and when, when we when we were looking for a theme for a theme for this whole podcast obviously we had the 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 beeps and you won't find out about the beeps till till later on um and then we we had to have some kind of record scratch to go into drive shaft we just i mean it just yeah uh i mean yeah drive shaft is great um they're no geronimo jackson but you know i I, know they were still they were one of my first loves so well, we, we, we wanted to do a really creepy version of, of Catch a Falling Star, but we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> so, uh, but we get Drive Shaft in concert, and they're singing. And then Charlie looks really bothered that Liam is singing his parts. So backstage, Charlie confronts Liam, who is obviously caught in the rock star lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie notices that Liam is doing drugs and tells him to chill, baby brother, and then shuts the door. Chill, baby brother. I know. I love I, that line. I, I like time. this. I like the setup that they did for drive shafts. I mean, it, it, now it may be, it may be okay for people to watch it. But when when I was watching this in two thousand four, um, it 
very, very much seemed like uh, Charlie and Liam's uh, relationship was modeled after the band uh, Oasis, um, who had probably one of their biggest hits in like the late 90s with uh, Wonderwall and okay. had problems. You know, the, the, the two brothers would, would bicker and had famous fights um, and were involved with drugs and stuff like that. So it it was something that was still relatively uh, recent and in the collective memories and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like it, it, it still is a good uh, storyline here because the way that Dominic Monaghan plays this character of Charlie, you know, we see him in the now, but we saw, we see where he was and it, he seems so in control. And that's the fact is uh, that in, in the present time, he's just trying to get some of that control back to understand um, where he came from and what his uh, brother, to, to say that his brother put him through all this is maybe a little disingenuous, I think, just due to the fact that, uh, I mean, Charlie was was party to all this, but Liam did not help it any. Like, Liam could have seen what was happening and ch- choose to uh, take some of the, um, uh, the temptation away from Charlie, and it was... You know, he was so kind of caught up in his own stuff that that Charlie got sucked in in his wake, basically, and you know, just not just not being a good brother, uh, which uh, is uh, is it, I, I I think that's one of the aspects I like about this is just the fact that um, you've got these characters that uh, you know are finding family elsewhere because their own families are so busted. Right, and it, I, I like. I like the way stories do this, where they where they also take, like you see Charlie now, he, he's a drug addict, but yet you see him back here in a flashback, and his brother's a drug addict. Well, how in the world did it, how did it switch? What happened in, mm-hmm. in, in his life to cause that switch? So now, how did Charlie go from there to there? And we're going to see some of that in this episode, but it, it's it's, I like the way the shows do that. And they and they, and they show these different kinds of things and the realism in these things. Um, yeah, and so. and what they also do, I mean, the, they'll present you stuff in flashbacks. Um, you know, so basically, as we're going through each of the episodes here in season one, you know, we're we're learning what we think is the backstory for each of the characters, which it is. I mean, it, there's there's a lot more to some of these characters' backstories right. than than was even hinted at at this point that I'm sure the writers didn't even know about. Um, but the fact that you know you get you get things presented to you one way now. And so you go, okay, so this is where the character came from yet. They can still do things in the second or third or fifth season or whatever with other flashbacks and tell you other things about these characters that we may not have even guessed at this point to kind of reframe and put things in a different perspective, which, uh, which also is, uh, was, is really cool. Absolutely. So we leave the flashback and we go back to the present and they're moving rocks, and Michael comes, gets to the caves, and tells him to stop because it could be unstable. Because he's in construction, right? Because you know he's had eight years of construction. Yeah. I, I must say, I did like to see him take charge. This is one of those scenes I really did like Michael in. I struggle like with liking him throughout the throughout the show, mm-hmm. but this is one of the things I really did because he actually is. I feel like he's doing something important. <laughs> He's. I hate to use that word important, but he 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 says, "Listen, I have experience. You need to just 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 wait. Let me." And you get that throwaway line later on in the episode where Michael's already checked the rest of the caves out by Jack. Michael's already checked the rest of the caves out, and the rest of them are fine. They're stable. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's cool to see, like you said, him doing something important rather than just worrying about Walt yelling at Walt, telling right. him to go walk the dog, whatever. And Walt and, and he does he does tell Walt though to get away from the rocks and that kind of thing and Walt <laughs> says I'll go find Mr. Locke, you know because every answer comes with I got to find Mr. Locke, <laughs> and and Hurley says he's probably he's I said he's out in the jungle killing stuff right now and we don't know where he's at and that's all Hurley's response is. <laughs> so <laughs> good old Hurley. Uh, I love Hurley. So Sawyer does find Kate and Saeed. 
and he's walking through the jungle. And I believe at this moment he is genuinely going to tell her about Jack. Hey, guys, Jack is in a cave-in. I, I really believe he is. But the way she disregards him completely, I feel like he says, all right, fine, be that yeah. way then. Yeah, it just pisses him off where he's like, screw you, honey. So, you know what? Hey, can I can I help? <laughs> can I help you? Whatever you guys are doing. Instead of telling her about Jack, can I help you? <laughs> and uh, so we go back to Charlie, and Charlie finds Locke, who just he just kind of peek, peeks around the boar as Locke is cleaning the inside of the boar. And uh, he looks at Charlie, and uh, Charlie tells him about Jack, and he says, well, why aren't you there helping? Well, they have a lot of people. You, you didn't come here to tell me about Jack, did you? <laughs> he oh, says, Locke knows. Locke knows, that's right. He says, no, I've, I, I come to ask for my drugs again. He says, Charlie, follow me. Follow me. So he goes over to this tree, and he shows a moth. And he starts a discussion about the moth um, and the struggle the moth has to go through. And, and I really liked this, this, this talk that he has. That he says, I could open this cocoon up and, and help it out, even though it is... You know, the butterfly gets all the attention, although the moth does a lot of other things. But this, I could help it out, but then it would, I wouldn't give it the satisfaction of it. It wouldn't be able to build up its strength. And he says this line, the struggle is nature's way of strengthening it. And he's trying to use that to teach Charlie. You, you have to struggle. And he looks at him and pretty much says, by the way, that's twice now you've asked me for your drugs. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the use of the moth as as a uh, another thematic device to indicate Charlie's struggle, um, Charlie's growth, the the cocoon that he has put around himself, uh, and the separation that he needs to make between uh, using drugs and and getting clean. Um, I thought it was interesting. I've seen some people um, say, and I remember, you know, people talking about this, that it's, it's pretty uh, trite. Um, it's kind of, you know, on the nose, right? It's like, you know, oh, it's yeah. not, it's not mysterious enough. Like, you know, it's like, it's very obvious that he's talking about Charlie. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of the times when people are using these kind of metaphors um, in real life, you know, they don't, they're not making up these really mysterious things that people can't understand. They're, that's why it's a metaphor. It's, it's supposed to be relatively easily understood, I think. I mean, there, of, of course, in certain literary uh, works, there are metaphors that are very complicated and complex and hard to decipher and things like that. But, you know, this is, this is meant to not only be teaching Charlie, but it, it's, it's meant as a, inspirational talk i think for the for the audience you know and something to to kind of be uplifting that we can say wow look at the personal growth um that these characters have you know in any particular episode and stuff like that so um i thought it was i thought it was apropos and um right the way that it all worked out here at the end in the cave and everything like that was uh, pretty cool and i think and i think from i think from a from a physical point of view I think this was absolutely perfect illustration because if you look at Charlie, Charlie's mind is kind of all over the place because he's detoxing at the moment. So he's not 100% thinking clearly as well because he, he's, you know, even Jack later on says how are the hallucinations, you know, how to hallucinations, that kind of thing. So he knows not thinking clearly. So Locke knows that if he were to do something grand and mysterious, Charlie may not be able to catch it at the moment. So from a physical point of view, he says, I'm going to give him something easy that he can really grab onto right now, something he needs, something that's simple. Mm-hmm. And I think that's from, from a physical standpoint, from, from, from Charlie's mind thinking right now, I think this is a perfect illustration. And like you said, it's, it's what he needs, too. I think that's an interesting uh, way to look at it as well, because um, like I was saying earlier, you know, Locke has, Locke has had this sort of uh, transformative moment though it's not completely clear to us the audience at this point what exactly happened to him or or why it happened to him but all that we need to understand is that he um he is in a better place and and 
is kind of working from a, a, a standpoint of enlightenment. So now he is trying to, like I said, pass that on uh, to Charlie and uh, and help him through the dark time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they go back to the cave-in, and they move enough rocks to get a hole, and they begin to talk to Jack. At first, Jack doesn't answer, but Jack does eventually moan and groan, and he says he's here, but he's pinned, and he cannot move. So this this one kind of this this whole part of the scene kind of goes back and forth between a few different areas. Um, so we go back to the antenna expedition. Sawyer is sent up to a tree with a second antenna, and Saeed says he does not trust Sawyer with Kate, and Kate says, "Don't worry, I, I can handle him." And uh, back at the caves, it goes back, and Charlie volunteers to go. They they need somebody to go in and unpin Jack since he's the only one who is you know, small enough and alone on the out. We'll get that in a second, but somebody needs to go in. Michael volunteers and Charlie stops and says, listen, you've got a son. She's got a husband. He's got a wife. And just back and forth. He said, I'm the only one who's alone on this Island. And they could have sent Claire. Enough, let me go. Yeah. They could have sent Claire. So that would have been a good place to put she, her. Yeah. She would have been, she would have made that trip a hundred percent. Speaking of Claire, we haven't seen her in a while. That's probably where she's at. No. Uh, yeah. So Charlie, so, so Charlie volunteers. So then the scene shifts back to Sawyer and Kate, and there's some more playful banter between them, and they're talking, and he says something along the lines of, you know, if if Jack, you know, what's the thing with you and Jack? And she starts talking, and he says, well, if he had made it, you know, through, you know, when the rescue right, and he's waving, whoa, whoa, what, what are you talking about? And I he's completely like, oh, forgot. I forgot. Yeah, I completely forgot to tell you. Jack's trapped in a cave in, and she just gets, she is mad, <laughs> so, and she just storms it's, off. It's 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 one of the two states that uh, Kate exists in with Sawyer. She either hates him or she really hates him. Exactly, exactly. It was just it. it and this is this one was time she really hated him. <laughs> Oh, um, my God. So back in the cave, Charlie begins his journey through the hole toward Jack. He's not supposed to bump into all the walls and all that kind of things and just kind of be careful, move slowly, um, and, and whatnot. Um, so we go back to a flashback as he's going through the hole. We see Charlie is working his way through the backstage crowd now. I love the way they kind of pan the shot from him in the hole and his face close to now his face is closed in the back crowd backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he enters the room where his brother is on the couch with two girls, and there's a couple more there, and he kicks them out, and he starts getting on Liam. You can obviously tell Liam he's either drunk or Liam is high or he's both. And he tells him, dude, you missed sound check. We are an hour away from the performance. And and he said, look, we'll do it, and then that's it, and that, and that kind of thing. We'll be all right. We'll be right. And Charlie says, no. I tell you what. He says, Liam, I, I, I'm done. Let's let's walk away. It's time to walk away. Well, you said we can walk away. We'll do the performance tonight, and then we're canceling the tour after that. And Liam doesn't want to. And Liam just storms off. And then we see Charlie going over to the to the to, to the mirror, and eventually he opens up the the film canisters. By the way, for all those who are listening, film canisters are something you need to ask your parents <laughs> about. Okay, that was before smartphones. They were and, great for holding your stuff. Great. I remember many projects in school and crafts in school where we had to use film canisters. Yeah. Uh, and um, he opens it up and drugs, and we get Charlie's first view of heroin in that scene. And yeah, you think he's a, he might actually do some drinking because there's a big bottle of, uh, it looks like whiskey or something, but he kind of pushes that away, and that's kind of when he notices the the drugs there, the all the paraphernalia behind it. It, 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 exactly. Exactly. Now we don't we don't actually see Charlie do drugs in this scene, um, but we, we know somehow he started it. So uh, you know, I have a anyway. So I'm not going to talk about my theory on that yet. Um, so we shift back to the present. Charlie's in the hole and it begins to collapse again, but he eventually makes it to Jack. So Kate arrives back at the cave and starts questioning why is nobody digging. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, we just did, but it just collapsed. And now we just sent somebody in. So she starts going to town. Everybody else starts getting behind her now and starts helping her. Yep. Um, So Charlie helps get Jack free, and Charlie has to pop his shoulder back in place because Jack's shoulder is dislocated. 
And we get a flashback. And this is kind of the the flip flashback that's interesting. So Charlie arrives at a house and he knocks on the door in the same outfit that he was in when he crash landed on a plane. So we know he's probably in Sydney. And sure enough, who opens the door? Liam. And has obviously had a lifestyle change. He's wearing glasses now. He's got a nice sweater on. And he looks like model dad. Yeah, he's he's totally cleaned up here. Right, completely clean, completely different. Because remember the last time we saw Liam, he was storming out of the room high and drunk. And now we see him completely clean. So Charlie is attempting to recruit Liam back into drive shaft on a comeback tour. Right, and he says that uh, they won't they won't book Charlie unless Liam comes along. Right. So Liam though doesn't want to go back into drive shaft. And he so he got his daughter out of the, out of he said he already got out because he missed his daughter's birth, and he says I I, I just I can't go back into it. And then we get this scene where Charlie takes off his glasses, and Liam finds out that Charlie is still using, and he says Charlie, listen, I, I'll stay here, you know, with me and Karen. I'm guessing Karen. We'll guess Karen's his wife, and stay stay with us. They got good rehab programs here in in Sydney. We'll get you some help. And Charlie's like, what are you talking about? You want to help me? You, you did this to me. You you caused me to have this this drug problem. And he storms off. So now the debate goes to, did Liam cause Charlie this drug problem? Or was it all Charlie? And that's a See, hard thing to, to, to think about. I think I believe, I believe it's that choice of fate and free will comes into this play right here as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And like I said earlier, it's I, I feel like it's a it's like fifty fifty. Um, you know, Liam obviously couldn't make Charlie start, right? But he was not helping. And like if if uh, Liam's gotten clean, you know, um, obviously he hadn't had contact with Charlie for a while, so he couldn't necessarily know. But um, you know, obviously not checking in with his brother and just, you know, keeping up with him and stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know, he, he could have probably helped, uh, had he known about it sooner or, I mean, there, there are obviously a number of things that could have happened here in terms of intervention and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, it, that didn't, which is why Charlie's in the state that he's in now. Exactly. You know, and it's it's like like you said, you know, Liam has some some part of the blame because he was not the brother he should have been, but and he was living out lifestyle. But Charlie ultimately, I think, had the choice to say, "I'm going to do it" or "I'm not going to do it." Um, so he storms off, and that's the last time we see you know Charlie until he gets onto the plane. Um, back to the present, Charlie. I mean, Jack then looks at Charlie and kind of confronts him about his last fix. So when was your last fix? Because obviously we know he, you know, Jack understands he's something's wrong, and, and I know I know he's he's detoxing here. So I think they share a good moment together here. This is Jack really reaching out to Charlie, whereas Locke used Charlie. <laughs> Jack was actually trying to reach out and help him. So as they're sharing this moment, Charlie notices a moth, and he realizes that it must lead to an opening. So back outside the cave, Michael urges Kate to take a break because you're going to wear yourself out, but she doesn't <laughs> listen. And inside the cave, Charlie follows the moth and begins to find light. And he begins digging and digging and digging until he finally breaks open the ground. Which is, which is awkward that if you, if, you, if you looked at the angle that Charlie was going up, he was kind of angled. But coming out of the ground, he was like straight. Yeah. So well, and it's, you know, it's, it's another great metaphor because it's, you know, he's emerging, um, as a moth would from the cocoon, um, breaking free. You don't actually see him coming out. You just see the hand, uh, coming up through the ground. And then the next thing is that Walt sees the doctor, right. Coming around from right. behind like the cave, but you know, it's also, um, it's, it's very much like um, a, a grave, you know, as Charlie kind of is clawing his way out of there, um, which is, you know, if he continues using at this point, that may be where he's headed, right? Because, like, his body just won't be able to take it um, if he, uh, 
if he is using as like you said earlier as much as he's been using because of the the detox that he's in so um i thought that was a that that was a nice again thematic scene that they uh, threw in there right and the same thing you know kind of like you said coming out of that cocoon you know it, it says that struggle is nature's way of strengthening it this is this is nature's way of trying to strengthen charlie you know you got to earn it if you want to get out you know work work for it work for it um so back like you said back outside the cage walt sees the doctor coming around the side of the cave and kate runs to give jack a friendly hug and charlie is seen as the hero yay (laughs) oh good job hey charlie yeah charlie so in the jungle saeed lights a rocket and shannon lights hers and sawyer is obviously late lighting his he says i'm just gonna kind of make him suffer and then as Saeed gets, he turns the receiver on, transceiver on, and he's got a signal, and he's got a strong signal. And he's looking, and he's about to find it, and, and then all of a sudden, someone comes up from behind him and hits him in the head with a piece of wood, and Saeed goes down. Yeah, and all you see is the the stick, or the log, or the wood, or whatever. You don't see, you don't see hands, you don't see part of a body, and nothing. Right, so we don't know at this moment who, who it is. Now, we know, but we'll tell you that in the spoiler section. So we don't know who hits him right now uh so back at the cave hurley comes and um and starts talking to charlie and jack kind of defends charlie and says oh he's he's got the flu and hurley says bummer man uh after everything you just did obviously jack knows it's not the flu so then walt looks at michael and says how can we can't live in the caves (laughs) (laughs) let's move to the caves." because i'm your dad walt (laughs) come on oh so Kate brings this tender moment, brings Jack a sling, and they begin to talking about getting off the island. And then Charlie approaches Locke. I liked the scene, and he asks for his drugs back. Yeah, this was really cool. I mean, this perfect. You think this is going one way, like you said earlier, with the whole twist on, uh, you know, we see Liam high, and then the next flashback we see that now it's flip flopped, and it's Charlie being high. Then, then this happens. Yep, it, and Locke is fixing the bore, fixing the bore. He asks for his drugs back, and Locke gives it to him. He says, I'm not going to, you know, I said three times. This is the third time. He gives it to him, and Locke looks at him, and then he just flicks him into the fire. And Locke looks at him and says, I'm proud of you, Charlie. I like that Locke, for his, uh, as often as he can jump on his moral high horse and uh, criticize other uh, uh, losties. For the most part, he's a man of his word um, and and honest enough. Um, I, I, honest as can be expected, I guess, for the situation and stuff that they're in. So the fact that he gives the drugs back, you know, because he said he was going to give them back after three times. And it's like, all right, you know, I'm not going to argue with you. And he and he does it. But then you see that Charlie has decided how he wants to live the rest of his life here. And, and so this is, um, this is the end of a nice little six episode arc where, you know, we found out about, uh, who this guy is. And of course that's all that ever happens with Charlie, right? Nothing else. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Charlie has no more significance in the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we see Charlie looking at the moth again as it's flying away. And then we get the boom, the end lost. So that was the episode, and a good episode. Uh, but before we, we kind of wrap things up here, uh, the kind of even give you some name dictionary here. Sawyer's name dictionary. Sawyer has called multiple people multiple things throughout this whole show. To this episode, he called Jack Saint Jack. He called Saeed Muhammad. He called Charlie Sport as well as Amigo. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have a couple of pop culture connections. Uh, we see the Bible being used when Charlie's leaving the church. Liam can be heard saying, "In the meek shall inherit the earth." This is a saying from the Beatitudes, from the Sermon on the Mount, which is, according to the Gospel of Matthew five to seven, was a particular sermon given by Jesus to a large crowd. The saying implies that those who forgo worldly power will be rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. We also can see a Star Wars representation here. After Charlie climbs through the newly dug tunnel, he says to Jack, "I'm here to rescue you." Luke Skywalker said the same thing to Princess Leia when he found her in the Death Star in A New Hope. 
And then we see this the the symbolism seen in the drawing of the three. By the way, also in this episode we see um, before we get to this one, Sawyer is once again reading the book Watership Down. When Kate comes to him, and he's been reading the, like the last three episodes. I wish Europe had finished the book. He's got nothing else yeah, to do on the, the island. This is uh, that's probably the book that gets read the most. I mean, there are a lot of books in this show, but. That one being in so many episodes is uh, is actually strange, I think. It is. It is. And a few other books get referenced. We know the story like of Alice in Wonderland is in there. And the, the, the Lord of the Flies is on there as well. Um, but the Watership Down is in multiple episodes. Uh, so we see the drawing of the three is kind of symbolizing this. This is by Stephen King, and it's the second book of the Dark Tower series. Charlie Pace and Eddie Dean both have complicated and detrimental relationships with their respective older brothers. These relationships are direct influences to the development of their addictions. So good thing there. Our next episode, speaking of Sawyer, our next episode is Confidence Man, and this is a Sawyer-centric episode. Good one. That's a good one. So I am I'm excited about this episode because we finally get a little bit about Sawyer and where does he come from and why does he act like he does. But before we go to our closing credits, for the next couple mentions or, or seconds or so, we're going to enter into our spoiler zone. So things that we know about later on this series that we can theorize for just a couple minutes and we will get back to the closing credits right after we're done. So this is your warning. If you don't want to be spoiled, this is your spoiler warning. Turn away. Turn away. Do not come back. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the spoiler warning um, or the spoiler zone. We know eventually at toward the end of the season that Saeed hits Locke. I mean, Locke hits Saeed Locke in the Saeed. head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with the log. When Shannon has got him held up by gunpoint. Um, yeah, that... Uh, which is uh, interesting because, you know, uh, Locke would have had to have been... Because he disappeared in the jungle. And the next time we see him is uh, when Charlie goes to ask him for the drugs. And it's dark by that point, whereas... Um, you know, it was getting towards sunset when Saeed and Shannon and, Bo- and um, uh, whoever the third person was doing the triangulation thing. Right. It, so the Sawyer. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So here, here, so my theory has been that when previously on an episode where the smoke monster, of course, we know it's a smoke monster now, um, comes out of the woods and confronts Locke. That that is one moment that we know eventually that the man in black enters into Locke and uses Locke. I have that theory that that, that's what happened because if you think about it, when it was getting towards sunset and he had to go all the way up to the mountain to catch up with Saeed and then come all the way back down after cleaning the boar and then cooking it. Mm -hmm. There's no way humanly possible he could have ran up to the top of that mountain from the caves and then ran back down. Hmm. that's why I feel like the smoke monster really did go into him then is because of, you know, we, we see, you know, if you give the island something, the island will give you something back, you know, with the guitar thing. And then we got this episode where he had to have been able to hit Saeed real quick and get away and get back to the caves. It's just the time just doesn't work. So I know some people like, Oh no, he doesn't enter him until until the plane crashes again later on in season six. I'm like, well, I could see that, but I just, I think this is the smoke monster was in him at this moment. I don't that know is he, interesting. Yeah, I've, I have not heard that uh, theory put forth, and, I, and that had not occurred to me. That's that's really interesting. I would I might have to go back and look at uh, some of these early episodes again with that in mind. And then my thought also goes to when we see his legs kind of go back out again later on in the series, mm-hmm. and he, oh, right. he can't yep. walk, I feel like that's when the smoke monster leaves him. Leaves him, Because okay. he's got to come back into him when he comes back onto the island dead. So, yeah. that's my theory. <laughs> I don't know if it'll hold up in a court of law or anything, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and um, I just want to say it's a good thing that Charlie did finally kick that heroin habit, um, which is you know great because it's just in time for them to find all the statues of Mary um, and reintroduce <laughs> heroin back into his life, which I think is is a great follow up to this episode. The fact that I mean, addiction is a really strong um, theme that I think. Um, might get overused in certain shows, but I think it finds a lot of traction in this particular series and, and Charlie uh, being one of those characters that, uh, that deals with this and temptation just kind of keeps putting its foot in his face. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but anyways, is that all for our uh, spo- small spoiler zone? But is that, would that be it? This I, time? I think so. Yeah. I think that's all I want to spoil. All right. Well, we are back with the closing credits, so thank you for all those who skipped ahead, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you where to skip ahead here on the recording on the notes. Make sure you keep in touch so we you know where to skip ahead at. But in closing, listen, we I first want to say thank you, Jay, so much for joining us on Previously on Lost and Absolutely. spending some time with us this evening and talking about this episode. Um, wh- where, where, where can we find you at on Twitter or anywhere else? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at Jovial J, and then um, you can also find me on on the web at RetroZap.com, where I host um, two DC-related superhero shows, Scarlet Velocity, a Flash podcast, and Green Justice, an Arrow podcast. Uh, those are obviously on hiatus right now. We're also doing a uh, series called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files. I do those all with uh, Jedi Schwa. And then you can also find me. Uh, talking about Star Wars every month on Jedi Journals, which is the longest-running Star Wars literature podcast in the galaxy at forcecast.net. Awesome. Well, uh, you can, uh, and I, I would highly recommend those two shows as well. They are, uh, they are, they are phenomenal uh, shows as well. Um, you can follow everything here on Twitter. You can uh, go to at RetroZapped is the main. Um, the main show page you can you can find this podcast on twitter at lost rewatch pod you can find them on instagram at previously on lost podcast you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash previously on lost you can find um my 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 other co-host bill at lost star wars you can also find me on twitter at the dc fanboy as well um i'm also on a couple other podcasts one of them is um you can follow us at the caped chronicles and at dc talk pod as well so you can make sure you check those out you can also find everything you want to at retrozap.com you could join us on the retrozap uh discord and like i said go to retrozap.com for more details there's uh, we have a t public store as well as multiple articles that come out weekly, podcasts that come out, uh, some of them Jay mentioned as as well already, and check those out. I promise you won't be disappointed. So check them out online at RetroZap.com. Well, I think that's it for right now. So if that is all, uh, let's all stare gazely into the sky and gazingly and watch the moth as it flies away. And until next time, we'll see you back on the island.